The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Well, good morning. It's uh, good to be with you. Good to see uh, so many of you here. And for those that are joining us in other ways, uh, good morning as well. Uh, this final week of classes, final couple of chapels before you head into exams, as Dean Porcello said, and then enjoy uh, will hopefully be a restful and uh, uh, helpful break where we enjoy uh, the Christmas season, in particular the celebration of the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to uh, continue in the series that we've been doing this year, taking one another seriously, um, thinking about uh, biblical otherness and uh, what it means for our life together. And this morning, I want to focus on the issue of praying for one another. Uh, last time we talked about serving one another. We've talked about uh, over the course of the semester uh, loving one another, encouraging one another, exhorting one another. Today I want to talk about praying for one another. And then in the spring term, I'll pick up a few more. I'd like to deal with things like forgiving one another and uh, those kinds of things as well. But today I want to focus on this issue of praying for one another as part of our Taking One Another Seriously series. Now, I don't really want to exhaust the subject of prayer. I think it's uh, worth uh, considering what we think about prayer and how we practice prayer. I want to actually focus this morning on the issue of the implications of prayer and what it means for us to be praying for one another as an outworking of our relationship to one another as brothers, sisters in the Lord, but also the exhortations in Scripture to love one another and to care for one another, to put one another's interests ahead of our own and to see one another as significant and uh, valued and, and, uh, and have a right and proper view of one another and actions and attitudes towards one another as we've been focusing on this semester. In the passage that Dean Porcella read, we've looked at it a couple times already this year and many times in chapel, this Romans 12, uh, where Paul's actually spelling out what the marks of a Christian are and what our life together is supposed to look like. And in the passage that was read, I selected that to start this morning's conversation because in this passage that begins with the exhortation to that love be genuine, to abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, right down to hospitality and weeping and rejoicing with one another, in the middle is this idea that we are to be constant in prayer. So in the context of this passage, Paul writing to what it is that marks the Christian life and, and our life together, prayer is a part of that. The early church was given and committed to the public reading of Scripture and to praying. It's part of what we do as Christians. We see it throughout all of the Bible. God's people pray. And what I want to think about this morning is the way in which praying for one another is a way of taking one another seriously, of living out that passage in Philippians 2 that we've been looking at this year, to look not only to our interests but to the interests of others, to consider others more important and more significant than ourselves. And the fact that the Apostle Paul embeds this, this exhortation to be constant in prayer in this idea of what our life together is to look like means that it isn't just that we pray, but that we pray collectively, we pray individually for one another, that we are prayerful people, and that is played out in our relationships to one another and in community. There's no questioning that the Lord has given us this privilege through Jesus Christ and praying uh, empowered by the Spirit which indwells us, the Lord in His grace has given us access to Himself. 
He's not far off, and he's given us the privilege to pray for one another. It's one of the ways that we love and care for one another, is to pray for one another. In fact, the Apostle Paul, if you, if you look through Paul's letters to the Christians of his day, there's always this idea that he's praying for them, and he asks them to pray for him. We see it later in this book of Romans where Paul says to them in chapter 15, verse 30, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. Paul often asked people to be praying for him, to strive with him, to be praying to God on his behalf. And he often expressed that he was praying for others as well. This is one of the things that we know in reading the scripture, not just the verses that, that teach us explicitly to pray or how to pray, but just in looking at how prayer is exercised in the Bible and what we see in the early church in the New Testament and also in the Old Testament. And this is what we see, that praying for others blesses them. Paul will testify to that in multiple places. Praying for others blesses them. It blesses God. He wants us to be praying for one another. And it blesses us to be praying for others. It's a manifestation of looking to the interests of others, as the Bible teaches. That verse that we're focusing on, look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. How do you do that? Well, one of the ways that we do that is to pray. I've been particularly struck this year, this semester, as we've been battling through the, the changing conditions and circumstances and the whole way in which this COVID crisis has interrupted our lives and our life together and, and set our community kind of on its ear a little bit. Nothing's normal. How do we love and care for one another when so many of us are, are, are maybe absent or, or dealing with other kinds of things and then all the other things that are piling on? This is one of them. One of the ways that we look to the interest not only of ourselves but to the interests of others is to be praying for them. And this year I've been acutely aware of that when I think about all that we're experiencing as a community and all the things that we, that we knew were coming at the beginning of this term. We knew that, that given all the things that were taking place in our world, that COVID was going to not just be one of the things that we had to deal with, but it was going to complicate our dealing with all the other things that were out there. Because we couldn't be together, because we're wearing masks, because we're keeping our distance, because we're concerned about our loved ones, we're dealing with all the social and political ramifications of it and all the relational implications of, of the lack. We, were, we, we just, my, my, my mother who lives with us is, uh, heading off for the holidays, so we pulled a little family uh, get-together on the weekend, and there were no hugs. My family is a hugging family. There were no hugs. It changes things, right? We're trying to protect my 81, 82, let's say 81, she'll like that better, 81-year-old mother, right? And so everything changes, but what can we do? Well, we can be praying for one another, I've been acutely aware that, you know, we often talk about the fact that we're praying for you as students, we're praying for our prospective students, we're, we're praying for the faculty and staff, we're praying for one another. This semester, I've been acutely aware of how important that is, because it is one of the ways that we look to the interest of others, as the Bible teaches. So many times, I think, uh, over the course of my life and, and my own uh, uh, years as a Christian, I, I've heard people say this, and I say it. Look, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And when someone says it to you, it, I say it to you, or you say it to me, it, 
It makes us feel good. Wow, that's really kind. They're praying for me. It's a way of showing kindness. I tell somebody I'm, I'm praying for them. But listen, the beautiful thing about prayer, the beautiful thing about prayer is it's not just that. Praying for others is more than an act of kindness or a gesture. It has effect, impact. It makes a difference. It isn't just saying you're praying for someone that that has the impact. It's actually praying that has the impact. It's more than an act of kindness or a gesture. It's something that does definitely make a difference. We see this testified to by Paul when he is praying for his, his, his the ones he loves in Ephesus, when he says in chapter 1, I don't cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. That's not a prayer that's offered without prayerful faith that it will have effect that he's actually praying something that all of us as Christians need. The spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, our eyes of our heart enlightened, knowing what is the hope to which he has called us. Paul's not offering a sort of shallow, hollow act of kindness, a gesture to let you, I ask God to do this for you. Paul believes it will have effect, impact. It will change the way you think and the way you live. I pray to God that he would be at work in your life. It's not something that is hollow and without effect. In fact, he says this in, first, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, you must also help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. It isn't just something we do. It's something that matters. In Colossians, he says, at the same time, pray for us that God may open a door to us for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, an account of which I am in prison. From prison, Paul's saying, pray that God would open a door for us to take the gospel someplace else. Participate with us. It will have an effect. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians at the end, he simply ends by this, brothers, pray for us. If it didn't have effect, the Apostle Paul would not have put such priority on it. Neither would James, who in chapter 5 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So that the testimony of those early church leaders was that prayer mattered. and So we should be doing it and praying for one another. But when I think about the implication for what it means in this idea of being deferential and respectful, in a day, two things that that stand out to me in our day. One is is the the tension and conflict that exists, whether we're talking about the the issues of race and racism or we're talking about economic uh, issues or or just the issue of disparity between uh, one group of people and another, the idea that we're judging one another. Couple that with this kind of self-indulgent, self-absorbed culture in which we find ourselves. It's very dangerous for Christians to wander into that territory without the discipline of praying for one another. Because when we take the time to pray for others, to think on their condition and needs, we're undertaking something that takes our eyes off of ourselves, our own condition, and our own circumstances. The very act of praying for someone else 
means you are thinking about them. And you're asking God to work in in them and through them and to do something for them. You're putting emphasis on another. And in doing so, you're taking your eyes off of yourself and your own condition and your own circumstances. You are doing what God expects us to do, which is care for others. And it changes your, your view of them. It changes your view of yourself. In these days, we cannot afford to venture into any kind of relational or social dynamic that needs our attention without being committed to praying for one another. I think a lot on the issue of uh, the way that, that that the world around us shapes our sensibilities and our judgments. You hear me talk about that a lot with you. I'm very concerned about the subtle ways, the nuanced yet insidious ways that the world around us leads us to a preoccupation with ourselves. To be be focused only on ourselves, to be preoccupied with our own circumstances and conditions, to, to be preoccupied with what is affecting us in the here and now, what we have and what we don't have, what will be taken from us, those kinds of things. In a world occupied with the self, The discipline of praying for others helps us keep a proper perspective of the self. When we pray for others, there's little room for self-absorption and self-indulgence. We are spending time asking the God of the universe, the creator and sustainer of all things, to meet the needs of others, to do a work in it. We're actually spending time on someone else. Our minds are occupied with someone else's needs. Our mouths are, are saying words that are driven uh, to, about someone else. It's not about us. You know, um, we talk about this all the time when someone says, how do I stop thinking about that? Well, you stop thinking about that by thinking about this. You don't stop thinking about that by saying to yourself, I got to stop thinking about that. I got to stop thinking about that. I got to stop thinking about that. You have to actually stop thinking about it and think about this. If you're preoccupied with this particular thing, whatever it is, your, 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 your own failures, your own fears, you become so fixated on it. How do you get rid of it? You don't get rid of it by constantly thinking about it. You think about this. You think about the grace of God, the wisdom of God, the sovereignty of God. You change your mind. It's the same thing with regard to prayer. We're thinking about ourselves. The best way to start thinking about others and to take the focus off of ourselves, to fight this cultural tide that's pushing us to this self-indulgence and self-absorption is to think about and talk about others to pray for them. It's the beauty of this discipline. It doesn't, just, it doesn't just accomplish one thing. It accomplishes all this. It blesses and pleases God. It changes us, and it has an effect in this world and the lives of others. And this kind of self-absorption, even in our spiritual lives, is, is problematic, and let me tell you, it is detrimental and destructive to our faith and our following after God. Think about it. A preoccupation with ourselves means that we are less likely to be willing to give up ourselves in sacrificial service to the Lord. Remember, even, remember Jesus in the garden, he's praying, he's anguished and praying. What's he praying for? He's praying for his disciples, that God would protect them and preserve them. Why does he ask for the cup to be taken from him? Because he's looking at them, he's, he's care and love for them. And yet he goes to the cross, as we focused in that Philippians 2 passage, humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. 
And so this idea that we would even spiritualize our own selfishness and self-absorption is problematic. And one of the ways that we fight that is to be praying for others. The Apostle Paul from prison writes to his student, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. In the midst of what should have been a time where Paul would have been worried about himself and his own condition, his own circumstances, his own ministry, he says to Timothy, I pray for you night and day, constantly. It isn't just a gesture that's meant to make Timothy feel more valued or better about himself. It's a testimony to Paul's ability, by God's grace through faith, to to set himself aside and to spend time praying for his student, Timothy. It's a powerful thing to do. It's an important Christian discipline to pray and to pray for others. It has an effect and an impact. But there's something else, I think, that happens with regard to prayer, particularly when we think about our life together and praying for one another. It's that we have a propensity to pray for some people and not others. You know, it's, uh, it's easy to pray for the easy people. It's difficult to pray for the difficult people. But as I read the Bible and think about these things and am actually confronted with the words of Jesus himself, It isn't just praying for those in need whom we like or easily empathize with, but for those who are difficult for us, who anger us or even persecute us. This kind of praying for others is an act of submission and obedience to God and his word. See, even if we get to the point where we say, oh, I can accept that it's a spiritual thing to pray for others, and I love to pray for others, especially this person. I mean, after all, they always make me smile. They always have a word of encouragement. No, Actually, it's, it's praying for one another apart from our own personal affinities and empathies and affections and, and, and for those who are easy for us or those whom we like and have a preference for. And Jesus said this in Matthew, it, it, it's a, it, Matthew chapter 5. You've heard it said you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who's in heaven where he makes his son and his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. It's not just the act of praying for others, it's praying for all others. You know, it's so easy for us, see, in a, in a, in a world so preoccupied with, with the self that you want to be with people who make you feel better or who make you feel better about yourself or whom you like doing things for. It's going to gravitate, even in the act of doing things that seem other-oriented, it's really about you. But when you actually turn to think about taking time to pray for those people who are difficult, and and. That's, that's an act of, of humble obedience and submission to the will of God and to the word of God. This is what we do. It isn't just gravitating to the things that we enjoy and like and have a preference for. It's doing what is expected of us. At some point during the next semester, I want to talk about that. We've lost sight of that. God has expectations for us. And he expects us, by his grace, through faith, to, 
to strive to fulfill those expectations. And one of them is that we would love one another, care for one another, defer to one another, respect and honor one another, outdo one another with zeal, outdo one another in hospitality, love one another, and pray for one another. And not according to our affinities and preferences, but with an understanding that we pray for all. And it does change us. Just think about this. Think about, I, I, I remember hearing years and years and years ago, and years and years ago, a sermon illustration about someone who said, whenever someone does something out in public that makes me angry, cuts me off, butts in front of me in a line, I stop and pray for them. And I remember the first time I heard the illustration saying, please don't say anything more because I do not intend to do that. Why? Because we know, look, if what we do is, is the minute someone offends us or, or upsets us or angers us or, or, or steps on our space, we actually stop and pray for them. And I don't mean pray for them that they'd be smitten, that our smote, that God would smite them, you know, not an imprecatory prayer uh, of the Old Testament, but actually stopped and prayed for someone. The problem we don't want to do that is because we know it changes us. It's much easier to be upset with them we stop to pray for them, what we're doing is we're, we're aligning ourselves with the mind of God. Remember, this was Jonah's great struggle. God was going to send him to this pagan people, and he said, I knew you were going to save him. That's why I didn't want to go. If he stopped and prayed for them, he didn't want to do that because that would be aligning himself with God, which is wanting for them what is best. That discipline of prayer doesn't just change the situation or change others, it changes us. And in doing so, it is an act of obedience that God uses to conform us to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And it's important for us to remember these things when we think about our relationship to one another. There's something else, though, that I want to wrap up with, and it is that in dealing with this whole dilemma that we have, in the world where we are preoccupied with self and our own conditions and circumstances, our own fears and inadequacies, our own pridefulness, or whatever it is, it's part of the human condition and underscored by the culture in which we find ourselves, is to remember the importance of, uh, of, of this other orientation in prayer in a, in a significant way. And over the course of my life, I have noticed something. We used to refer to people as prayer warriors, you know, people who were constantly in prayer and people who prayed for me. And, and I, I, I hear people telling the stories about so-and-so prayed for me for 25 years, I never knew it, or so-and-so shares with someone else, I've been praying for you your whole life, and those things bless us. But I've noticed more and more as I go through life that those who spend considerable time praying for others are stronger themselves less driven by their own circumstances and fears, and more acutely attuned to the sovereign grace of God. Why? Why? Is it a manifestation? Is their praying for others a manifestation of that kind of strength and faith and perspective? Maybe. But the beautiful thing about what the Bible teaches is when we start praying that way, that's the effect of it. It does strengthen our faith. It does strengthen our resolve. It does drive out our fears. It does take our minds and eyes off of ourselves. The example that I think of in the Bible is Epaphras. It's a very oblique kind of reference. But Paul makes it at the end of his letter to the Christians at Colossae. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, 
always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. This servant of God, Paul's fellow servant, fellow prisoner for Christ, stands out in the New Testament as someone who is struggling on behalf of others in prayer, that they may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Epaphras prays that others may stand. He, he asks that God would enable Christians to stand from the posture of being on his knees. And he's an example of one who is stronger in his faith and less driven by his own circumstances and fears and more acutely attuned to the sovereign grace of God. It's manifest in the fact that he struggles on behalf of others in his prayers. He's not praying that their life would be easier. He's not praying that they would be freed from the challenges or circumstances of life. He prays that they may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Folks, if we pray for one another, and we pray for one another often and constantly and fervently, and we pray for these things, we will watch God do a great work in the lives of others and in our own lives. Praying for others blesses them, blesses God, and blesses us. It's part of our life together. It's an important discipline, one that has effect, impact, one that makes a difference. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we do indeed thank you for the privilege that we have to come before you. We thank you for the access that has been granted us in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that as your people, we would not take that access for granted, that privilege for granted. We would not squander the days that we have in prayerlessness. Rather, Father, we pray for the grace and wisdom and inclination to be prayerful, to be prayerful, to use our time to pray for others, that your will would be done in their lives, that you would strengthen them in their faith, that you would grant them the ability to persevere and to endure, that you would use them to further the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, to bring you honor, to please you. Father, we pray that in a world that is so self-indulgent, we might exercise this Christian discipline in a way that would keep us humble and give us an opportunity to demonstrate what your word teaches, that we're to look not only to our own interests, but the interests of others. Father, we also pray that you would give us the grace to humble ourselves, to submit ourselves in obedience to your word, to pray, to pray for one another, and to pray for your will to be done in their lives, in our lives, and in this world. And we pray all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Have a great final week of classes and a great day.